Here ends the reading of God's holy word. Let's pray together. Lord, we come before you today as we worship you, as we celebrate you and your work in our hearts and lives. And we thank you, God, for the privilege of worship, for the privilege of your word, hearing it read and now proclaimed. We ask you, God, to come and anoint this message, anoint the messenger, and anoint us all as we listen. In Jesus' name, amen. I believe the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints. What does that mean? The communion of saints. What is this word communion? Does it have to do with the sacrament that we celebrated just a couple of weeks ago? And who are the saints anyway? Are we talking about Mother Teresa, St. Patty, the New Orleans saints, Drew Brees? What does it mean when we say, I believe the communion of saints? And how did this this three-word phrase make it into the Apostles' Creed? Today we continue our study of the Apostles' Creed in earnest by focusing on this little phrase. And no, we are not talking about people who have been venerated by the Catholic Church or any other church to the position of sainthood, nor are we talking about your dear Christian grandmother, even though she may have very well been a dear saint. In fact, we are talking about all Christians, those who walk with Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, past, present, and future. Paul says in Romans 1-7, to all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. Romans 8-27, the Spirit intercedes for the saints. In 2 Corinthians 1, to the church of God in Corinth together with all the saints. You see, Paul uses this word, saints, the New Testament uses it as a kind of generic term to refer to all Christians who ever lived, who are living, and who ever will live, those who place their faith in Jesus Christ. Turn to your neighbor, if there's somebody nearby, or shout it out and say, you're a saint. (laughs) Communion is a word that can be broken into two parts, the prefix and the root word. And the prefix is the word ko or com. It's, it, it simply means together with. Uh, a co-worker, a co-laborer, uh, a cohort is somebody that works together with. And union means what it says. Union, it means unity, joined as one. Literally, when we're talking about the communion of the saints, we are talking about the common union the common unity that we share all together as believers, not only with each other, but with all those who have ever lived and who ever will live and profess their faith in Jesus Christ. That's what we're talking about when we are referring to the communion of the saints. And I today want to share with you seven, yes, count them, seven wonderful reasons, good news, great news reasons why this doctrine is so, uh, such good news. And I know that seven is a lot, so I invite you to take out that outline, fill it in as we go, write them down so that you have something to take home with you today, because we're going to move through them relatively quickly. The communion of the saints is great news because, number one, It's based in Christ. Say it with me. It's based in Christ. There is simply no other explanation for the wonderful widespread diversity 
that comprises the church around the world today, even here at Grace Church. People from every nation, tribe, and tongue, and language. People from differing socioeconomic classes, differing educational levels, levels, backgrounds, differing races and colors and ethnicities and differing personalities and maybe from differing denominations, differing political views, differing ages, genders, and so forth, ideas and opinions. The truth is we're not gathered here this morning because we have a lot in common. Let's just be honest about that. What unites us here today, along with the rest of this holy Catholic Church worldwide, is nothing less than the Spirit and the power of Jesus Christ. In fact, it was the Spirit who got you out of bed this morning. How about that, Ron? It was the Spirit who got Can I get an amen, right? Yes, all right. The Spirit is what called you here today and brings us together to unite us into one body. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 12, for we are baptized by one Spirit into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, we were all given one Spirit to drink. Doesn't matter what your background is. Doesn't matter your ethnicity. Think of all of the many and various groups in our world today. Online communities, chat rooms, Facebook groups, health clubs, social clubs, hobby groups, work groups, knitting clubs, quilting clubs, people who want to save the whales and people who love birds, political activists, those who lobby for social change. And I learned this week that there's even a club for those who are dill pickle enthusiasts, (laughs) of which I am not. So I'm not a part of that club, but maybe you want to join it. You can look it up online. But the church of Jesus Christ transcends all worldly affinities. We are not a clique of like-minded people. Let's just state that. We are a family called together by the Spirit of God and only in Him. And the good news is that because of this, anybody can belong. Anybody can say yes to Jesus as the Spirit calls you in by open your heart to Him. You can belong to this worldwide communion of saints by receiving Jesus as your Savior and Lord. Keep your heart open. Would you do that? And maybe the Spirit is calling you today to become a part of this communion if you're not already. Number two, the communion of saints is great news because not only does it based in Christ alone, but it bridges cultures. Just say it with me. It bridges cultures. Consider the scriptures on this point. John's vision in Revelation chapter 5, verse 9. And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. They sang to Jesus in heaven. Because you were slain, he died on the cross. And with your blood, you purchased men or people from, for God from every tribe, language, people, and nation. In Galatians 3, Paul says it more succinctly. There's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor female, uh, slave nor free, male nor female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. I think of all the divisions in our world today, uh, racial and ethnic and political and even religious and black lives matter, blue lives matter, all lives matter, blacks, whites, males, uh, females, Asians, Africans, Arabs, Aussies, and Americans. Well, we live in a divided world, and I cannot think of anything that our world needs more today than unity, than unity. Because the church, the communion of the saints, surpasses and transcends all of these various cultural divisions. If there's anything we need today, it's the unity. 
Personally, I'd love to see Grace Church become more multicultural. Wouldn't that be great if we became more a reflection of the community around us? Rick Warren said, life on earth is a dress rehearsal for heaven. In other words, we better get used to living with each other now because in heaven, we're all going to be together. The two years that I spent as a missionary in Cambodia in the early 90s were probably the best two years of my life. What a joy to experience and enter into another culture, a a very foreign culture to me, to this Dutch white guy. And there I was in the middle of this Cambodian nation and loved it, enjoyed what a, just learning their culture, learning their language, and just seeing the church of Jesus Christ uh, grow, kind of a fledgling church at that time, but seeing that church grow in the vibrancy of Cambodian believers, what a joy. I think everybody should have cross-cultural experiences in their life. What a joy to belong to a communion of diverse people, a church that unites and brings people together rather than divides, a church that celebrates and embraces diversity. Friends, the communion of saints is great news because it's based in Christ. It bridges cultures. Number three, it, it's bigger than conflict. Say it with me. It's bigger than conflict. One of the things that I love to do as a pastor is to counsel with with couples or individuals who are going through various issues in their lives and kind of bringing the Word of God and the Spirit to bear on that situation. And I do that particularly with young couples, or it could be any couple, any age, who are considering marriage. And uh, one of the things that I love doing is I, I, we go through a survey together that they answer these questions individually, uh, more than 100 questions, and it serves as a kind of basis for our discussion together. After all, I'm single. I've never been married. Who's going to listen to me? But the survey helps us to uncover potential issues and things like that, as well as some strengths that they have that they can build on. But one of the statements in the survey is conflict in a relationship is a bad thing. And then you can agree or disagree. And it's kind of like a little bit of a trick question, right? It's intended to open up a discussion. Because a lot of the couples, especially if they're younger, they click disagree. Nobody wants conflict. No, we don't, we're not going to have conflict. We're, oh, we're like two peas in a pod. We, you know, we get along. We agree on everything. Ah, oh, baloney. That's what I say. You know, because we're individuals. So we're all different. We have different perspectives. If you're going to bring your whole self, your true self, into a relationship, why, there's going to be conflict because no two people agree on everything or see everything the same way. We're different. We're human. And, you know, it's that way also in the body of Jesus Christ, in the communion of saints. Now, we don't always agree on everything. Even here at Grace Church, some people like traditional music, some like contemporary and so forth. And we're all different people. Even Paul and Barnabas had a sharp dispute in Acts chapter 15. They ended up parting ways. We hope that that never happens, but sometimes it does. And the good news is that the communion of saints, the common bond that we share, runs deeper than all disagreements and conflicts. The church of Jesus Christ is able to to withstand and hold together our differences. Now, we always strive for unity, but the communion of the saints holds us together Uh, Ephesians 4, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love, and get this, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit. You ever hear that expression, blood is thicker than water? 
You know, it usually refers to how family bonds are, are stronger than, than friendship bonds or even a marriage. Well, friends, blood is thicker than water. The blood of Jesus that was spilled for you and me, it's what really holds us together. And it is bigger than conflicts and disagreements and disputes. And so even in our disagreements and disputes, we need not break fellowship. We don't write people off or just walk away or quit. You see, we live in this world today of cancel culture. Somebody does one thing wrong or that offends somebody, or, and maybe it really was wrong. I'm not saying it wasn't wrong, but then we just cancel them out. Oh, I don't want anything to do with that person. Everything he says is bad. Everything he says is wrong. That's the kind of culture we live in. But friends, that's not the way of the church. The way of the church is, a, is the way of forgiveness and understanding and, and dialogue and communication. The way of unity. Church members hang together through disagreements. The church itself gives us a safe place to be ourselves, to express our opinions, to disagree and even debate with each other and still be friends. And still be friends. Satan tells us to walk away. The Spirit says, stay together. The fourth reason that the communion of saints is such great news is because it is built through compassion. Say it with me. It's built through compassion. Flowing out of the previous point here, compassion, I mean love. This common unity we share in Jesus has two aspects. Number one, it's a gift. It's something that's given to us. In our, in our spiritual selves, we are one with each other. We're already there in your spirit man, if you will. But in our physical selves here on this earth, it is not just a gift, it's a task. It's something that we work out, which is why the author of Ephesians says, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. You know, Satan likes nothing more than to destroy the unity of the church. Uh, even right here at Grace Church, the enemy can be at work if we, if we, if we let that happen. You know, I find it interesting that in 1 Corinthians, chapter 12 talks about spiritual gifts. Chapter 14 talks about spiritual gifts. These two chapters, 12 and 14, talk about really the diversity of the body of Christ. And what chapter is right smack dab in the middle of those two? 1 Corinthians chapter 13, duh. I can count, right? And what is 1 Corinthians chapter 13? The love chapter. It's the love. It's all about love. And now let me show you the most excellent way, says Paul. Love is patient and kind and so forth. And that is right there in the middle of two chapters that deal with the diversity of the church. God is telling us something. God is telling us it is that love that will hold us together, this, this, uh, this bond uh, of, of compassion, this built, it's built through compassion. Without love, our unity can potentially be broken. But love, I think of it as like the glue that kind of holds us together. I think of it as like kind of a rubber band. And we're all in the rubber band. There's a big rubber band that holds us together, the love of God. And, and we can kind of run out, we can try to push, but that rubber band, uh, it's pulling me back in. And we kind of stick together because of the love of God for us. How's your love for Jesus? 
How's your love for others? How's your love for people within the body, even here at Grace Church? The richness and the depth of our communion as fellow saints will be determined by the measure of our love. And where love abounds, our communion is sweet and pleasing, which leads us to the fifth reason why the communion of saints is such great news, and that is because it is beautiful in community. Say it with me. It's beautiful in community. I want to ask you a question this morning. What is the greatest proof for the existence of God and for the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Think about that. What is the greatest? People are apologeticists. They try to create a defense of the faith, and and maybe it's the historical credibility of Scripture. That's important. you got to go back to the Bible. Why do we believe what, what is in here? What is the historical evidence for the credibility of Scripture? And that's an important argument to make. And others would say, no, just look at Scripture itself. It's the testimony of Scripture. Read the verses. Read the stories. Read the passages. That's the greatest proof. The Scripture tells us that it's true. we just got to believe it. And others would say, well, no, it's about, a, it's about the, the empty tomb. And it's about a a bare cross, the fact that there's historical and scientific evidence that actually proves and helps to point us to the fact that Jesus really did uh, rise from the dead. And other people would say, no, the greatest proof is the church, the existence of the church today. The fact that we're even here today, that the church around the world exists some 2,000 years after Jesus. Why, that's got to be proof. That should be proof. And all of those things are very important. But let me tell you this. The greatest proof for the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ and for the existence of God, for that matter, is when the church is living out the gospel. When we live together in unity. Friends, if we, if Grace Church can get this one thing right, can you imagine what a witness that would be to the world around us? When we live together in love, when we extend forgiveness back and forth, when we roll with each other in grace to kind of sometimes tolerate other people. Grace is what keeps this group together as well as the love of God. Friends, when we do this, it is a powerful testimony to the world. It is the most convincing proof that there ever was to the belief, to the truth of the gospel. When healing, forgiveness, and reconciliation take place among church members, when we honor one another, when we respect each other, when we care for each other, when we follow the the 41 and other passages that are spelled out in the New Testament, why this is the most convincing proof. You know what's not convincing? Is when the church of Jesus Christ is fighting each other. When we're known for hating when we're not living an attractive witness to the world and there's backbiting and gossip and slander and, and, and a sense of self-righteousness or being judgmental. The world looks at that and they think, why would I ever want to belong to the church if that's what that's about? No, the communion of saints, it is beautiful in community. When we get this right, it is attractive. It is a powerful witness. How can you and I, how can we live in better unity 
with others right here at Grace Church. Number six, the communion of saints is great news because it is beyond the contemporary. Say it with me. It's beyond the contemporary. And by this, I mean that our sweet communion of saints, it surpasses this present time and it extends all the way into eternity, eternity past and eternity future. Do you know why so many churches and towns, especially rural communities, put cemeteries right next to the church building? Do you know that? Do you, know, you see that, right? It's in a lot of our rural communities. There's a lot of churches. There's a cemetery right there. Sometimes it's almost in the backyard of the church building itself. And the reason is for this very doctrine right here. It is symbolic of the communion of saints. The fact that this communion extends beyond the contemporary, beyond the present time, into the future, it is everlasting and eternal. It's not just physical here and now, it's eternal and forever. And let me be clear on what I'm not saying. I'm not saying we should be praying to our ancestors. I'm not saying we should be praying to anyone who's dead or gone before. I'm not saying that the dead are somehow involved in our lives. I, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't think so. I'm not saying the dead become our guardian angels when they pass on to the next life. I mean, that's a nice thought, but there's really no biblical evidence for that. Are our loved ones smiling down on you today? I, I'm not sure. But what we, don't, what we do know is that Jesus sees you. Jesus is your guardian. Jesus is with you always. And the good news today is that this communion of saints, it somehow unites us with those who've gone before, with loved ones that have passed. And we believe that someday we will be reunited with loved ones in heaven when we pass on from this earth. We believe that families will be reconciled and healed and reunited. We believe that the communion of the saints is to be enjoyed forever. In some ways, we are all connected. You know, there are times in my life where I just, I'm thinking of the late Kevin Osborne. Some of you remember Kevin, a good friend of mine, a former member of the church, and, and uh, he's passed on, had a heart attack some years ago. Um, but I, you know, once in a while, it's like I almost feel like Kevin's presence. You know, it just seems kind of strange, and, and I, I don't know what that's about. And those of you who've lost loved ones, I think you know what I mean. But there are just times where you just sense like somebody's spirit is nearby. It's with you. It's in the room. You know, I can't wait to get to heaven. I can't wait to sit down with Noah, you know. I mean, talk about communion of saints. Just Noah, what was it like in the ark? You know, are there really, were there really unicorns? I mean, tell us, you know, tell I want to know. Or Abraham, what was it like to, to sacrifice your one and only son and to be ready? And then the angel, and, and, and wow, that must have been something. And, and wow, Abraham, what was that like? Talk to King David. Wow, how, what was it like to take down Goliath with a stone? You know, tell me the story. Let's, I, you know, or Mother Mary, Mother Mary. Oh, my goodness, Mother Mary, I have such respect for you, such reverence for you. Thank you for, for bringing Jesus into this world, uh, for carrying him to full term and, and to, to become the mother of Jesus, the human mother. And what about Peter, impetuous Peter? Uh, I can't wait to talk to him. Or Paul, the Apostle Paul. Hey, what was it like to be shipwrecked? Was it like Gilligan's Island kind of a thing or what? You know, I mean, 
you know, wouldn't it be fun? I mean, this is the communion of saints that we enjoy. It's beyond the contemporary. And finally, number seven, it's great news because its blessings are continuous. Say it with me. Its blessings are continuous. And we've been talking a lot about the communion that we share with one another as believers and with those who've gone before. But this point, I want to emphasize the fact that we are always united also with Jesus Christ. It's what we symbolize in the partaking of the Holy Supper, the communion, the Holy Communion, the, the Eucharist for, in some traditions. It's what we celebrate when we, when we come together. The fact that not only are we uniting ourselves with each other through this communion, this act of communion, but we are united first and foremost with Jesus Christ. And friends, if we are united with Jesus Christ, we are heirs and co-heirs of his blessings. I can walk now with Jesus even today and experience fellowship and communion with him. Amen? 1 Corinthians 6, 17 says, He who unites himself with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Friends, if we are united with Christ, not only in eternity but here and now, then the blessings of Christ are ours today. Ephesians 1, 3, one of my favorite verses. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realm. Say it with me. Who has blessed us in the heavenly realms. Do you know that these blessings are yours today? Paul said, don't you know that your body's a temple of the Holy Spirit? That God has given you the Spirit for the common good? That, that he who gave Christ all things, will he not also give all things to us? Friends, you know what this means? You are the richest person on earth. You are the richest person on earth. Because even now, right today, through this communion that we have, not only with saints, but with Jesus, the chief saint of all, that we too receive continuous blessings day in, and day out. You have a never-ending source of strength, of wisdom, of grace, of goodness, and love. Through Jesus, you have forgiveness of sins, reconciliation with God, healing of mind and body, and eternal salvation. Now, Paul says to work out your salvation. It's never perfect in this life, of course. Nobody's arrived yet. We're still making progress, but we are growing in His Spirit. And because Christ is eternal, our union with him is also eternal. And the blessings of Christ are continual even today. It's kind of like an artesian well. It just keeps bubbling up. And those blessings, you can't stop them. They just come by the Spirit of God, the living water within you. Are you plugged in? Are you tapped into Jesus? Are you experiencing his blessings? Are you claiming those by faith? I trust that you are. So these are seven reasons. Count them, seven. Oh my goodness, pastor, stop. You know, it's enough, too much for one sermon, right? I know, we won't do seven points every week. But, um, but the, and this is the review. You can just flip through those slides, Todd. So there's, there's the seven things. But uh, what I want to close with today is this. This past week, um, I called Shirley Geis. Some of you remember Shirley. Uh, many of you know, remember her and Jack. Jack has passed on. Shirley's moved to Tucson, Arizona, near her son, and she's there. 
And uh, one of the things that I do once a quarter is I just call her on the phone and we talk and, and we laugh and we reminisce and we think of the days when Shirley was here. And she says, oh, I miss church. I miss Grace Church. And I said, we miss you. And uh, we wish that, you know, maybe someday you'll be able to come and visit. And she says, Pastor, just come down and visit me. And I said, well, maybe, that'll, maybe I can do that someday. Who knows, you know. Um, and we talk about lots of things and we laugh and and sometimes it gets emotional, and she tells me all about her kitty cat, Callie, and I tell her all about my crazy cat, Swati, and uh, so it's just, it's really fun, and then we, uh, after some time, I pray for her on the phone, and, and we say goodbye, and as I hung up the phone this past Tuesday after talking with her, and I thought, you know, here I'm creating this message on communion of the saints, that's really what the communion of the saints is about, right? It's just about those relationships. Michael W. Smith had a song entitled Friends, and in the, in the song was a classic line, friends are friends forever if the Lord is the Lord of them. And this is what the communion of the saints is all about. Some of you too, you've lost loved ones. There's those that have gone before. You've got Christian friends around the world. You, you don't even talk to each other but once or twice a year, but when you do, you pick up right where you left off. This is the communion of saints. Father, we love you and we thank you for, being a part, for, for making us a part of this communion, for making us a part of Grace Church and a part of your worldwide holy Catholic Church. We thank you so much, Lord, for the privilege of being able to gather and to be your body, a body, in, a body that is united, a body in your spirit. And so, Lord, would you come and help us today, Lord, we ask, to live this out to live out our unity in tangible ways that the world may see and know that you are the Lord of us. Friends are indeed friends forever if you are God of our lives. Thank you, God, for the communion of saints that we enjoy. What a beautiful doctrine. We celebrate it. We love you. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.